Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. I'm your host, George Ellick, and this is the day two of Entry Preview, the Friday of Entry, and I'm joined by two very, very special guests in the form of Andrew Thornton and Ed Quigley. Two guys who, Ed, as you just told me, I should actually be asking you about the racing at Sedgefield on Friday rather than waiting <laughs> Entry, because you guys are going to be together at Sky Sports Racing then. But uh, I think... You know, it's, it's an unbelievable weekend of sport. We, we recorded the Masters preview this morning, um, which any listener who's interested in golf can find on Odds Checkers YouTube channel and um, and on the uh, and any podcast apps as well. But Ed, this is a, an unbelievable weekend of sport, and Aintree very much at the front of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really love this love this week. Yeah, the Masters and Aintree dovetailing together, fantastic, isn't it? You get everyone, or at least you do, the old racing post offices when I was there, it used to get everyone trying to crack the old Masters Grand National double. Spring and, double. Um, yeah, the spring double is the big spring double. But no, brilliant stuff. Uh, three days of Aintree, really looking forward to it. Uh, sounds like sunshine in Liverpool. It'll be lovely ground and some, um, obviously the declaration's been dropping in for the Thursday and uh, some quality contests to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. And Andrew, happy memories of uh, of Aintree from back in the uh, back in the riding days. Uh, did I have many happy memories? Mm. There were few and far <laughs> between. I'd have to go a long way back to to give you my happy memories. That my my happiest memory was my first ride at Aintree as a, a an amateur jockey was a winner, a horse mm, called wow. Castle King. Back in 1992, on the amateur riders race, the race that used to be the novice handicap chase. After the national, um, and I uh, beat Marcus Armitage on Way of Life, trained by Stan Meller. Now there's some iconic names: Mar- <laughs> Marcus Armitage, Stan Meller, uh, and then I came a long way down the pecking order. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the national was concerned, I, but, but I think uh, I had 13 rides in it. My uh, first. Uh, four rides, three of them got round and finished fourth. Sadly, my next nine didn't. So experience counts for absolutely nothing. <laughs> all, all you get is more bad experiences. By <laughs> laid at the back of Beaches Brook with Jamie Osborne uh, <laughs> and about three or four others jumping into the back of the ambulance on the way home. Huh. So, yeah, it's, um, hey, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun meeting, even from a jockey's perspective. It, the pressure is Cheltenham. Cheltenham, it's pressure, pressure, pressure. Aintree, a happy release as much as anything. Mm. And um, David, Nichol- David Nicholson, in, back in the day, always used to his, say to his jockeys, you know, he got Cheltenham out of the way, and when they all went to Aintree, mind, make sure you enjoy yourself. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Out on the track, as well as you know that, and you know it was it was just a lot more of a, a relaxed atmosphere. Well, you mentioned the Grand National there, and I mean today we're going to be previewing in this podcast and video. We're going to be previewing Friday's racing. We've previewed Thursdays as well, so do go and look for that if you haven't heard it already. And then on Thursday, Andrew, you and I will be joined by Andy Holding as we look ahead to Grand National Saturday and do that hopefully some justice too uh the time is five past 12 with us at time of recording on the uh tuesday so as it stands fridays so uh, we haven't got final decks in for friday so there's going to be a little bit of guesswork going on as we preview these races as to who will be running where but we'll do our best to make sense of it 
Um, and do download the Odds Checker app as well for the very best prices, the best bookie offers, place terms, free bets, and some of the best tipsters in the game direct to your app in the morning of each day's racing, including Andy, who, as I say, doesn't join us today, but will join us for the Saturday preview. Now, as I say, we're recording this on Tuesday, so there aren't any prices at the moment for the 145 or the 515, the two handicap hurdles that flank the graded racing on the day. So we're going to start with the 220, which is the top novices hurdle. And my Drogo heads the market at 7-2, to two, ahead of Dusart at 5-1. to one. Now, third time lucky at the time of recording is a short 7-2 favourite with some firms, but is 7-1 to one currently with Bet365. So apologies, as I have a feeling by the time this goes out, that 7-1 to one will be a thing of the past. Uh, any news, 8-1, to one. Tritonic, 8-1 to one with most firms, Bet365 ducking it, go 5-1. to one. Uh, Agero, 8-1, to 10-1, Bet Belfast Banter, 10-1 to one for pleasure, 12-1 to one bar. And Ed, the difficulty with doing these previews at this stage are just after final decks on uh, for, for Thursday's racing is that the market is all over the place. But at current prices, who are you looking at here? It's interesting, George. Um, my Drogo, of course, has got the option, the two and a half mile on Saturday um, for the Scouters. And if that were up to me... That would be where I'd be going with him. I thought he looked uh, the better the further he went over 2-2 at Calso last time out. And, of course, uh, Dan Scouter team have third time lucky in here. A um, uh, bit of a head-scratcher. Not quite sure the complexion of the race at the moment. I mean, Dusart was the horse who was highly touted, wasn't he, uh, earlier in the season. Beat Soaring Glory in really convincing fashion at Newbury and was um, single figures to the Supreme Novices. Had a little setback uh, just before Christmas, which consequently caused him to miss Cheltenham. Uh, Nicky Hens has said, he said, look, it's not a case he's really injured. It's a case he's just had a niggle and Cheltenham will be too much of a rush. So we won't rush him back for the festival. We'll leave him, bring him back for Atree. And um, yeah, he won really nicely, didn't he? He looks an excited prospect. But as I said, there's a, there's a few, a little bit of guesswork as to who's actually going to line up in this. I think there's a few... Um, as you say, pieces of jigsaw still to see. So I'm um, tentative views on this, but I do think Dusart looks a really exciting type. And But I do just hope with my Drogo, they go the two and a half mile route because I think especially on conditions which are going to be lively enough up in Liverpool, uh, he's a big striding type. He'd be a wonderful chaser next year over two and a half and three miles. And uh, he's obviously unbeaten over hurdles. And I just say, you look, watch that Kelsa run back last time out. The further they went, the better he went. Uh, so I, again, I think third time lucky or running a two mile of the skeletons. My Drogo will probably go the two and a half, but I think Dusart is the the exciting one with the potential here. Yeah, the, the market suggests you're probably right with that. I'm lucky seven or two in places, um, the same price as my Drogo. The market shifting the way that would make you think that the skeletons are going to run third time lucky here and my Drogo on Saturday. Uh, Andrew, who takes your fancy in uh, in the top novice? Um. I do like Dusart. I mean, you can't. It, it, it only haven't had one start. It, it, it's not really the Nicky Nicky Henderson route, is it? To to drop straight into a Grade One after one start. But I think it's more mm. circumstances than anything else. Has bags of toe, and as you mentioned, the the soaring glory form round Newby looks uh, looks looks very very good. Um, a Jero of Kim Bailey's has done nothing but improve off a mark of one twenty five. And run and won four 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 races on the bounce, in in very good fashion. I think it's very tough as well. Um, third time lucky, Harry Skelton could have had his time again. It was a poor ride at Cheltenham, full stop. You know, dropped in suddenly, bang there at the top of the hill with five furlongs to run. Got there far too soon and just ran out of gas. 
it just wasn't a great ride. And you just wonder how much that race will have taken out of him. That would be my worry for third time lucky. Coming off, the, it's a quick turnaround after Cheltenham. And you always have that worry that with, you know, the big festival, he put everything up at, in that race and he was tired when he finished. So that would be my worry for third time lucky. Whereas Dusart, as fresh as paint coming in here, I would imagine for pleasure we'll we'll run in here, so that'll blow the race open. They'll go an end to end gallop, and to be honest, for pleasure is probably the benchmark as much as anything because I thought ran a blinder at Cheltenham, didn't go thirty lengths clear like the horse had done previously, and um, if is if anything is settling down with racing, which is what you like to see. But it, what you will get is a in a race like this. You don't want to see them crawling early doors. You want to see an end-to-end gallop. That'll suit third time, Lucky. But my worry is the quick turnaround after the hard run. And that's the reason I'd be in the Dusart-Ajero camp. Because Ajero hasn't had hard races. Confidence is sky high and is improving at a rapid rate of knots. And this is the logical next stage. But what you saw from Dusart on debut... A horse that goes well fresh. Would it worry him, Nicky Henderson, going straight into grade one? No. Potential's there. It's not the deepest contest from what I can see. You know, you've got third time Lucky, who was uh, well fancied in a county hurdle. A county hurdle's a handicap. It's not a grade one. Mm. I think the Dusart looks a cut, of, a cut above average, to say the least. Dusart five to one. Ajero <clears throat> best price uh, is eight to one. And with Ajero, uh, with uh, for Kim Bailey, David Bass already jocked up, so you shouldn't have any issues with whether or not Ajero will run or being well. Uh, a couple there um, for Andrew, and, and good to see Andrew and Ed both agreeing that uh, Dusart looks the quality uh, customer here in the two twenty at Aintree. Moving on then to the uh, the Mildmay. And Chantry House is the two to one favourite ahead of Espoir de Rome, Chamblou seven to one, Fiddler on the Roof seven to one. Of course, a, a cracking run behind Monkfish uh, last time out at Cheltenham. Happy Go Lucky uh, just coming second in the Ultima, failing to quite land that gamble again for Kim Bailey. Uh, the Shunter is priced up at eight to one at the moment. The Big Breakaway eight to one, Remastered fourteen to one. Plenty of horses, kind of fourteen to one or bigger. Andrew, sticking with you here, Shantry House, the rightful favourite, I'm guessing, or are you going to be looking to, to back a horse each way against him? I think he's the rightful favourite because I think the triple suit him down at the ground. Um, I, I would say, you look at what he did at... Uh, he's never going to be a flashy horse. We saw him, you know, it was unfortunate what happened at Chel- Cheltenham with N.Y. Uh, Allen. But there's nothing to say that N.Y. Allen... Would have got you know he was he was wound up and he was keen and would he have would he have would he have had it plenty left at the finish? I think Chantry House is the type who only just does mm. what he has to do. A little bit lazy once he hits the front, uh, and it's what you like to see. But again, off the back of um, horses been at Cheltenham again, you never know how it's going to have affected them um, in in the respect of how they're going to come out of the race. Kim Bailey's Espoir de Romane, I think, is a, is a real interesting take on this. You know, is, has only had the three runs so far this season. He's a very good jumper. I think ground conditions will be absolutely A1. Finished behind Roll Pagai, obviously, mm. Haydock. 
you know, it was the owner's choice to go with Royal Pagai for the Gold Cup. It was just the wrong race. Ground yeah. was too quick. Should have gone for the other race. But I understand why they went for the Gold Cup. It doesn't knock you the know, form here, though, does it really? You know, Sorry? It doesn't knock the form. Of, it doesn't of... knock the form. And you've got to bear in mind, Espoir de Romane gave uh, Royal Pagai five pounds yeah. uh, going into the, to the race. You know, it was the ground that got beat Royal Pagai. You know, the ground and everything. It was just the wrong race. Mm. But that's hindsight, isn't it? But yeah, I think Esper de Romane coming here a fresh horse off the back of a, a pop round Leicester, um, I think is the each way back to nothing in here. You know, you've taken on horses like, is the shunter going to line up here or run on the Thursday? Mm. It, I, you cannot, it, it's, it's definitely not ended in five races. Is it in the national? <laughs> <laughs> it's in the mares as well. Yeah. <laughs> they missed that one out. They missed that one out, you know. In fact, he had run over three miles was irrelevant. But um, yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's a fascinating contest, but I do like horses that haven't been to Cheltenham in some of these, uh, some of these races to have a crack mm. at the market leaders. Espirada Rome, six to one, pretty much across the board as it stands. Ed, are you similarly looking to find an each way play? It's, it's normally also. Yeah, I was going to say, Andrew make, does make a good point. You, you, you often never know, as the old trainers cliche say, they left their race behind at Cheltenham. Sometimes mm. it's going back through it. You, you get your horses, you can back it up and, um, you know, a, a kind of teak tough and run to their form again. And you do get some horses. I remember going back about 10 years ago, wasn't it? I think it was Corto Star beating it 1-5, to five, Masterminded beating it 1-6, to six, you know. And Paul Nichols came out and said, look, we geared every, all these horses to Cheltenham. And they, they were just spent by the time it came to entry three times later, and uh, three weeks later. And so, yeah, uh, touching upon the Paul Nichols angle, he's sending a lot of horses here fresh, which is something definitely interesting to look at. So, um, Ed, I, Ed yeah. can I just mention, going back, you've got to go back a while, but I, I remember Nicky Henderson's record with horses going to Cheltenham and then coming to Aintree wasn't very good. Right, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it is all about Cheltenham. Yeah, exactly. And well, I was the, the same point, the tangent I was going to actually going off on a bit there is Paul Nichols' mantra for this season is he's made it quite clear. He thought Charlton was a too many of his horses are badly handicapped, and B he didn't think unless you've got a hundred and seventy rated horse to run in a Grade One, I'm not really going to bother. So he's taken a whole battalion of horses here, Paul Nichols, who looked to have serious chances and arriving here fresh as daisies. Um, back to this race specifically, it does look a fascinating one. I don't really know. I mean, Chantry House looks as though. <laughs> Three miles will really suit him. Um, Henderson's gone on record. He says, look, I'm finding out here whether we're going King George's and Gold Cups and we're using this as a fact-finding mission or whether we're going Peter for Chases and Ryanair's. But essentially, that's what he's basically saying. He, want, he wants to know now what this horse's trip is. The way he went up the uh, the hill in the marsh chase on the new course, uh, he looked shaped like a three-mile, I think it has to be said. But this sounds like it's going to be brilliant. You're going to get the Tizard second and third from the Festival Novices are both going to run. Big breakaway, Fiddler on the Roof. Sounds like Dad Scouter's going to run Sham blue as well i think this flatter track will probably really suit him uh on, on the quick ground you know he's an excellent jumper it's a funny old race it's a no bet from me i think in answer to your very first question uh george i think chadry house is the right favorite he has to be on the back of his grade one success but um i'm a little bit splinters in my backside here because i'm a bit like uh andrew in the sense that uh, you just worry some of these horses did have hard races only three weeks ago what they've got left in the tank so i'm um, yeah i'm sitting this one out you, you're only po you're, you're only positive on that front is that the ground at uh, at Cheltenham wasn't on the on the slow side, mm. so you're not the emphasis on pulling them around isn't as much as it would be in previous years when the ground's testing. Mm. Yeah, that's that was all sort of bear in mind. But as regarding Chantry House and the trip, 
his first point-to-point unseated rider. Do you know what won the race? What won? Monkfish. Really? It was in the same race as Monkfish, Fury Road. It was a very, very good point-to-point. So I, wow. I don't think the trip will be an issue, but it's whether the freshness is the issue. Interesting there. Shantry House, the two-to-one favourite, but a few interesting types in behind. And Andrew Happy to side with Espoir de Rome each way at six-to-one. No bet race for Ed. Uh, we'll move on to the Marsh Chase, the 325 over two and a half. And Politolog, who, of course, uh, but was a very late withdrawal at Cheltenham, is the five-to-two favourite. Master Tommy Tucker is four to one. Fakir Duderi seeing some money, a bit of four to one still around with Skybet and Bet Victor, but as short as five to two with Bet365, obviously ran behind Alaho. Um, well beaten by Alaho, but that form could be very good indeed in the Ryanair. Uh, back at Cheltenham, Dashel Drasher five to one, Notebook six to one, Nutswell six to one, 14 to one. Bar, Ed, sticking with you here. It was a no bet race in the last. Have you got a bet for us in this one? I'd, yeah, I'd be with the uh, Paul Nichols second string here, Master Tommy Tucker, more for the fact that uh, I think Dasha Drasher would like very soft ground, and Politolog's obviously the market leader. But again, you look at all his best form, it's come a plenty of give underfoot. I mean, when he won this, everyone points out he actually hacked up in this race three years ago. Yeah, but if you remember rightly, we had a really wet spring. I think it was soft, I mean, softer, heavy in places uh, for the Melling Chase the year he won it. I just well, this ground might be quite lively by the Friday, and I just wonder if that'll play against him uh, personally. Um, you know, when he won the champion chase last year, it was soft. So, yeah, I think Master Tommy Tucker's, again, he's he's one that's um, by design swerved Cheltenham, come into this contest fresh. Uh, I don't think he'll mind a bit of better ground. You know, he actually bolted up at Huntington earlier in the season, hard out when he got some decent ground and ran really well on very testing ground at Ascot last time out behind Dashiell Drasher. Back on a livelier surface, I think that could be the key to him. You know, when he won it, camped back in January, OK, Um his jumping wasn't excellent, but again, he got better ground and he just tanked round on the good to soft round Kempton. So I think flat tracks, you know, Kempton's your Huntingdon's decent ground that really plays to his strengths. You know, uh, Haydock as well, he's one at. So I, I think Master Tommy Tucker is he's a bit of a late blossomer, it has to be said. You know, he's 10 now, but um, I, I think, you know, as Bordicle says, he's had this race in mind for some time and I, I, I like his claims from a value perspective just because. I think Politolog is the class act, but I would just worry about this ground for him. As I said, if you look through his form, a lot of his best form, all his best form, has come with substantial give underfoot. And looking at the weather for Liverpool for Thursday and Friday, it could be, um, it'll be on the good side of good, shall we mm. say, by the time this race goes to post. Four to one, Master Tommy Tucker. You say he's a late bloomer. And back in the day, he used to either win or fall. And he seems to have worked hard to stay on his feet these days, which is <laughs> which is a positive. Uh, Master Tommy Tucker, four to one, pretty much across the board. Uh, Andrew? Well, I can't see why I can't see why he turned the form around with Dashiell Drasher. Um, <laughs> Dashiell Drasher, he's improving. You may argue that, well, going back, you know, back, he's, he's obviously his wins have come around Ascot. But he, he has that bit of a tendency to jump out to the left. Doesn't always mean that they are better going left-handed. But I, he certainly, you'd have to put him in the mix. But I'm, I'm a big Nutswell fan. He gave Clondor Castle three pounds up here um, earlier on in the season. Clondor Castle's come out and done nothing but improve all year. Obviously won the, uh, the, old, the old racing post chase down at, uh, at Kempton in good fashion. Um, the yard, if you have a look at the yard statistics this year, they are probably the, the hottest yard in the country, bar none. Um, Pay the Piper, um, 
Tommy's Oscar, nuts well. The, the, you know, the strike rate is phenomenal. Mm. And Anne Hamilton, don't underestimate Anna, Anna Nian Hamilton and Danny McMenamin on board to boot. Uh, topped conditional. If this was with a bigger yard, be, be, be shorter in the market without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, nuts well, bang up there with the ratings. Likes the track, which is a big, big plus. Lightly raced as well, which is a big, big plus this season. And just ticks all the boxes. Jumps, travels, ground will be fine. I see no negatives at all. You know, Politolog, he got put in his place last time out. I'll echo Ed's sentiments. I think juice in the ground is his key. They've put plenty of water on up at Aintree. But after the first day, you can only put so much on. And with the, with the, it is a, it's just a dry forecast. There's no, no rain at all around. That wind blowing 20 miles an hour, as quick as you could put it on, it'll be drying up. The old, uh, the old adage of something in the wind comes to mind. <laughs> just, just looking at uh, looking at Anne Hamilton's record this season, thirty-three runners um, she's had this season, eleven wins, so a strike rate of thirty-three percent. And interestingly, Nutswell is her only chaser, so only two chase starts this season and two wins as well. And I, I just want to ask you, Andrew, on that point you make because it's something that basically, whenever we do a a, a podcast previewing. A major festival, whether it's Cheltenham Aintree, whether it's Ascot or Goodwood, you know, if it's Nicky Henderson we're talking about or John Gosden or whoever, the line is always, if this was trained by Gosden, if this was trained by Henderson, it would be a lot shorter. And you can probably say the same there about both Nutswell and Dashiell Drasher trained by Jeremy Scott as well. But then other people would argue, well, well, they're not trained by them. They're, they're not trained by these masters of the game. And therefore the price is is what it is because you can probably trust Paul Nichols or, jo- or Joseph O'Brien to get more out of what they've got. So does that necessarily mean it's value or does it, is that just factored into the price and that's why they're, they're where they are in the market? I think that's what people think, but it doesn't mean they're thinking correctly. Yeah. But what I, what I would say, because they are top class trainers, mm-hmm. just, um, you know, Anony and Hamilton, this this is their hobby. This is their, you know, Ian's a, a, a farmer, um, but, but has a lot of cattle. Um, he's their stockman, and hence the reason why they have good horses. Stockman, it's, it's a no, dif- no difference between seeing a, a bullet coming down the race to meet you between <laughs> eyes and how they look. They're, they're still, they're animals, and they know how to get them ready and get them right, and it's... Uh, the feeding's obviously very good, and same with Jeremy Scott as well. Uh, always has had a certain amount of horses, and look what he did with Melodic Rendezvous going yeah. back. Um, if the horse is good enough, it comes down to spending power as well. You need a bit of luck. Of course, they're not they're not buying at the top. They're not buying the six figures. They're dealing further down the line, but they're getting value for money. Yeah, absolutely, and hopefully getting a bit of value for money if you're backing them. Uh, the two that Andrew looks to be with there. Uh, on then to the 4.05, the Topham Handicap Chase. And Live, Love, Laugh is the favourite uh, at the top of the market for Willie Mullins at 6-1, to one, Far Class 7-1, to one, Morning Vicar 10-1, to one, Senior Citizen and 2 for Gold 12-1, to one, Modus 14-1, to one, Iblio 14-1, to one, Caribbean Boy 14-1, to 16-1 to one bar. Loads in there at the moment. You know, we can assume this is going to cut up a fair bit tomorrow. 
Um, so we don't want to get too bogged down in the prices and things because it'll look very, very different. Um, but Ed, you know, they, they call you long shot Ted for a reason. Give us the winner of the top and please. Well, well, yeah, first of all, am I missing something with live, love, laugh? I just don't understand this horse at all. It just never wins. It's three years I, since his last one. I, I, to me, it just looks an exposed 11-year-old, personally. So, so, I guess so. this is back down to kind of, it's the flip side of the conversation we were just having. You know, you yeah. look at the connections, you look at the entries, <coughs> and, and that's think, enough for yeah. some people to stick it in at a price which, which I, doesn't I look think, right. Um, ha- happy, happy to have you to clip this up after and throw all kinds of gifts of uh, <laughs> rotten eggs at me, but I think he's a rancid. I don't just don't follow it at all. Live life, laugh. Uh, not for me in a month of Sundays. Uh, will run well and just won't win. Uh, I'm, I've had two bets in this race, both for Nicky Henson stable, uh, two Vida Field, one at the top of the weights, one at the bottom of the weights. Uh, one at the bottom of the weights is Morning Vicar. If you watch the Kim Muir back, this horse absolutely tanked around under Nico de Boinville before the old petrol gauge came on, approaching the three mile mark in that race. Uh, he jumped to travel superbly, did not see out the three and a quarter miles, back down to this distance. I think that's a big tick in the box. Uh, only has 10-2 on his back. Nico de Boinville on board. Handicap has been very kind and dropped him a pound uh, from last time out. Essentially, it's just his stamina gave way. That's all mm-hmm. it was. Um, I think he was actually my favourite in running uh, four from home. And then, as I said, he just uh, he just ran out of gas. Was that, was also, that when the winner was trading at 1,000? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then uh, towards the top of the weights, uh, Caribbean Boy from the same stable. Now, we talked about this one in the... Um, in the I actually tipped the source yeah. for the plates in the... Cheltenham uh, in Cheltenham Festival show we did now anyone remembers the, the plate which was won by the shunter this was the race it was absolute farcical scenes at the start I think it took about four t- attempts to get them off they had to keep turning around you can actually hear Daryl Jacob uh, who was on board Caribbean that day uh, remonstrating Robbie Supple like what do you want me to do where do you want me to go Caribbean boy's a front runner he likes to bowl along in front and dictate while well, they took a turn he got trapped on the rail caught basically behind a wall of horses and started to let them go and you can see Daryl Jacob was visibly animated. Uh, I'm happy to put a line through that run. He actually ran pretty well. He picked off a load of runners late on to come up the hill and stay on into seventh. I just think that was just everything that he lost the race at the start, essentially. Uh, I think here, if he can get off and get in a good rhythm, he's a wonderful jumper. He will love the ground. Uh, of course, he swatted aside filler on the roof earlier in the season in a grade two. That form doesn't look too bad at all, considering that horse has just followed home Monkfish. And of course, he's in handicap company here. It's been eased a pound. I just think, yeah, with no tomfoolery and histrionics at the start, if you can just get away in front, he's a he's, he's a really sound jumper who likes to bowl along. Very similar to like Bristol Demai in the fact that there's no going to be no kind of cat and mouse and chess game here. They all just want to get on with it. So, yeah, I'm Caribbean boy. And uh, Morning Vicar, two for Nicky Henderson, Vida Field, which is worth adding, does have an excellent record in this race, Nicky Henderson. I think he's won it three times in the last seven years. And I think they look two ideal types for this race. Morning Vicar, 10 to 1, pretty much across the board. Paddy's and Betfair Sports, but go 9 to 1. But they're the only two at the moment paying uh, fifth of five. Although you'd think uh, as we get closer to probably tomorrow afternoon, I'm sure most firms will be. And Caribbean Boy, 14 to 1. That's with Skybet, Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook. So if you're at quick now, you can get that 14 to 1 in the five places if you want it. Andrew? My my only worry with Caribbean Boy is a big field. I'm just not sure whether he's cut out for it. A lot of his wins have been in... I'm going to take you on, Ed, here. Go for it. He's he's won once in a double-figure field Mm. in his career. And whether a big field suits him, as in what we said about Cheltenham, if, if you just miss the beat or you don't quite ping the first, because you know with this race, 
leave your brains in the weighing room and they go flat to the pan. <laughs> um, and, and for that reason, the horse that I think will love the big field and he's proven in his far class, who ran yeah. in the same race, is up a couple of pounds for finishing second to the best handicapped horse at the Cheltenham Festival, was three lengths clear of the rest, lots of placed form in, in big figure fields. And he, for a seven-year-old, he's got a lot of experience. He's priced up accordingly. He's a double-figure price. At, was he 10 or 12 to 1? Do you think um, he'll run, Andrew? Do you think he'll run? And I won't go I, for the I, Nash. I, I, I don't know. Uh, do, yeah. you think he'll, do, you think, do you think he'll get the trip in the Nash? I don't think he will. I was just really interested in the, the O'Leary comments kind of inclined, inclinating they'll roll the dice in the Nash. But I agree with you. This must be the race for him because I, I can't see I'd, how he I'd get say the trip if, in the Nash. Given the experience over the fences first and then... And then because I just cut out, you know, it looks to me like he's got too much pace for, yeah. for, for the national anyway. Mm, yeah. so, um, I think Morning Vicar, I, I think James Boyne might be riding him and, and, and Nico and Precious Cargo, which is no oh. bad thing. Hey, having a great run of things at the moment. Two for gold will be interesting. That's, that, that's my problem with Caribbean. But I just wonder whether he's going to get the soft lead with the likes of two for gold my way. They line up like it's a cavalry charge. Daryl is going to have to be out the gate and he's absolutely going to have to be gone on him. Um, Ibio, we all saw how that horse stayed on. Ibio Venetius, mm. uh, although he's got top weight, um, if the ground's on the good side, weight doesn't bother you. And the way another, if we said it to Cheltenham over that trip, over an extra 100 yards, Flipper, he'd have, he'd have been winning the race by 200 yards. He'd have won by five lengths, I would think. So this trip looks to be his gig. He's a traveller. I, I definitely put him in the mix because he's a horse that will travel. He's very slick and quick with his jumping, and I think he'd be able to hold a good early position. Um, and he still looks the type that's unexposed. Could be a. He looks to me like a graded horse running in a handicap. And I think further down the line, I think you could see, it'd be very interesting to see where this would be one of Venetia's top horses for next season in my book. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Iblio is currently um, 14 to 1. I'm just trying to find a price because on the odds checker um, grids, it suggests that the current trading price for um, for far class is... Yeah, I mean, there's you, you can back far class at 32, 30, 28 at the moment. That suggests would, not what we got. That would suggest that far class will be going for the Grand National. Of course, uh, connections have a a hole to fill, a role to fill in uh, in the Grand Nationals. <laughs> so maybe far class will be there. And obviously, far class finishing just three lengths behind one of the greatest Cheltenham plots we've seen in the Shunter uh, at the festival a few weeks ago um, after being well backed himself. Uh, we'll move on then to the Sefton, uh, the final race we'll be previewing in this Friday preview uh, of Aintree of the Grand National Festival. And Brave Man's Game is the 9-4 to favourite ahead of Cape Gentleman at 7-1. to uh, That old horse, the shunters there, 8-1, to probably won't be running. Uh, Streets of Doy in 8-1, to Oscar Elite 10-1, to a host of horses at 10-1 to or bigger. And, you know, let's focus on Brave Man's Game to start, Andrew, because, I mean, the... <sighs> I wouldn't go as far as saying it was embarrassing, but I think we saw quite how far, I mean, it was the, the story of the whole festival was how far clear the Irish horses were, but never was that more evident than in the novice hurdles 
where you know Brave Man's game ended up finishing 12 lengths behind Bob Ollinger um, there. Here, again, coming up against some Irish thoughts and at nine to four, you know, they may not have the star quality, let's say, of uh, of, the, of the two he finished behind that day. Um, but would you be rushing to back a, a an English novice at, at that price at a major festival at the moment? Ah, he was. Um, yeah, I th- I think I think Brevan's game ran his race. Yeah. personally, I do yeah. think he ran his race because you look back at the shallow form. You know, that's what you were you were banking on, and mm. people. I think people had hung on the the words that Paul Nichols had mentioned, Denman, but that's all he'd done. Mm. You know. You see more of his, he's very clean over his herds. I think the track will suit him better um, than, you know, he, he, I just think he just wasn't good enough. He mm. wasn't good enough for Cheltenham, you know, and he was, he was just found out. So, yeah, the, the Irish horses are just better. End of story. Put a, you know, it's a bit like move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is he going to be good enough in this race? Well, it is a, it's definitely, you know, looking at the race itself it's a grade one a grade one in name only i would suggest yeah it just doesn't really have a grade one feel to it you know when you've got the likes of cape gentleman who obviously came over and put put our runners to the sword at kempton didn't go to cheltenham um uh, calico the horse who finished second is quite highly thought streets of doyen he's been exceptionally busy so far this season um, you know, he was beaten about the same distance behind Vanillier as what Braveman's game was behind Bob Ollinger. I think I think what you've got to put into perspective is if Appreciated had lined up against Bob, Bob Ollinger, which is certainly a, a possible, I think Bob Ollinger would come out on top. Wow. Personally. Because Appreciated blew the field apart. Obviously, Willie Mullins' other horse fell at the second last. But I, I think the Bob Ollinger would... I think that's why, with Appreciate It, they wanted to drop back to two miles because they didn't want to take on Bob Ollinger. Yeah. So if you take a line through that, where, where would you put Vanillier into the equation? Well, he'd be third, wouldn't he? Mm. You know? I don't think streets of Doyern's for... I think you might... It's a race like this that I think if you look a bit further down the, the list... Then, well, Oscar Elite. Why? Why wouldn't Oscar Elite finished in front of Streets of Doyen? Um, I think the Tizards. Remember, was it three years ago they had a terrible Cheltenham Festival, and then suddenly went to Aintree. They've got to. Cl- you think you've got? They've got to click. <laughs> you know, they've got to click. They had. They had some horses that were ridden to run very well at Cheltenham. El Dorado and Allen, brilliant ride to be placed. Um, um, Fiddler on the Roof, good ride to be placed. Oscar Elite, good ride to be placed. So I think they might nick a grade one here. I think I'd be going Oscar Elite as an each-way proposition. Oscar Elite, 10 to 1 best price currently with Bet365. Ed? Yeah, I agree with a lot. Andrew's sentiment there is not a strong race at all. I mean, if you look at it, you've got the shunter, who <laughs> bizarrely is the highest rated horse in the field. <laughs> and you've got Brave Man's Game, you're a Challah Hurdle winner. So they're rated 153 and 150 respectively. Then you've got a whole host of 130 something, you know, I don't want to be offensive, but glorified handicappers going, I mean, crikey, mm. this, is, um, this is not a strong grade one uh, by any stretch of imagination. I would be with Andrew here. 
thought Oscar Elite travelled really well. And I think perhaps this flutter track and better ground will suit him here. Uh, the only worry, again, is we've been harping on about it, it seems, every show. I think on the October show, uh, someone <laughs> reminded me I was moaning about Colin Tizard for them. That, um, yeah. They've had one winner since the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, they've gone absolutely cold again, haven't they? Uh, After, and, like, and it looked like they were just coming to the boil as exactly, well. Exactly, they, they, they fired in a double, didn't they, the Monday before the festival and it all started looking rosy again. I think mean, they've had one winner from the last 30 runners again and it's all just seemed... I, I cannot work that yard out. Um, but Oscar Elite... You watch the Albert Bartlett back, he was going as well as anything coming to two out um, and still ran really well. I think it has to be said behind a runaway winner. Yeah, I'd be Oscar elite each way, but I, again, I must stress this race is a real head scratcher. Paul Nichols didn't seem overly confident about, again, touching upon the freshness angle. All the quotes come from Paul Nichols are, look, look, we know Braveman's game is very good. He ran a really good race. You know, he's a child of a winner, but it's a quick enough turnaround between Cheltenham and, and Aintree. We keep hearing that line rolled out, which makes me think, Look, I think the Brave Man's game, it's all about experience. Next year, he's going to be a cracking chaser. So whether he comes fifth or whether he wins, I don't think Paul Nichols opening going to be that bothered. I think it's just going to be one more run for the season, put him away, and you'll see him in the Newbury, the Labricks Trophy meeting in a three-mile grade two novice chase, essentially. So, yeah, it's a, I'm, with, I'm with Andrew. Oscar Lee each way. I think he'll travel well into the race. And hopefully there'll be fans in the, in the stands at Newbury to see that in, in a few months' time. <laughs> uh, that brings us to a close of our um, Friday preview. Both Ed and Andrew agreeing Oscar Elite the value in the 440. There is a 515 and a 145, two handicap hurdles that flank the graded races, but there are no prices at the moment. And we're not going to start picking through um, 54 entries and trying to work out where, where we're going without there being any prices. But I'm sure on the day, Andy Holding might well have a couple of tips. So do download the Odds Checker app to get them direct to your phone or, or and you get everything else as well. You know what Odds Checker is all about with best prices, best bookie offers, free bets, place terms and all the rest too. Thank you very much to both Ed Quigley and to Andrew Thornton for joining me today. If the racing on Thursday hasn't happened yet, then do go back and listen or watch our preview. You can find it on all podcast channels and on the Odds Checker YouTube channel as well. Do subscribe there. Please do enjoy the racing. We'll be doing a Saturday preview for the Grand National with Andrew Thornton and Andy Holding on Thursday. We've got a Masters preview out with Nar Lyons and Ben Coley. I'm absolutely exhausted, but uh, enjoy, enjoy the weekend sport. And most importantly, please do gamble responsibly. Mm-hmm.